0: No, 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 no! God, you literally did it. Hello, hello, and
1: welcome to the Inglorious Pastors podcast, where we talk about spirituality, news, and the dramatic conclusion to season one of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Michael Basinger. With me are Brad Polly, hey. Matt Polly. Hey there, and together we are the Inglorious Pastors. <laughs> so, uh, spoiler alert: somebody dies. Yes. <laughs> Um, we are taking a break uh, This is our last episode Before we take a three week break And then yeah. we'll be back in
0: Work's about July. to get fucking crazy For yeah. Michael and I yeah, Not for Matt because quit. Matt's a fucking happens. quitter yeah. Matt's, no. a, Matt's a butt fucking quitter so we're No <laughs> we're he left still with, does the butt fucking we're, we're, left the <laughs> we're left with all the work Man We're left with all the work we, I'm not doing this with you. <laughs> Fuck you both. I'm not I doing this with anything. you. I didn't say anything. You don't have to. All right. I can tell by your tone. I, you, I don't, have to, you don't have to say anything. Uh,
1: um, yeah, we are taking a three week break. We'll be back in July. Yeah. Uh, maybe other, in theory. Maybe. Other <laughs> well, announcements. We'll I don't know what a fast forward
0: button is. So
1: I just posted a picture on. our I am
0: not coming back to this unless we get rid of the soundboards altogether. Just FYI. All right, together. All together.
1: I have to use it to run the the freaking sound effects. Okay, the, except for Michael, okay. he can
0: use it. You can't. I'll limit it to like four or five. No, eight. yeah, I will. I will. So you say that? No, I will.
1: So I did just put a picture on our Instagram. It's Matt holding uh, something we're gonna do for Fat Pastards. Go check it out. There's there's a burn on Matt's face. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Matt, can you? <laughs> what happened here?
1: Br- Brad asked. It looks I, like I asked it, it, I it's a burn. It looks answer. like you
0: cut yourself. Yeah, a little column a, a, little column B. <laughs>
1: So Matt, how, how? Why is there a mark on your face? Is it is it a hickey?
0: No, it's not a hickey. It's so lame ass hickey. So man. I have a I have a beard comb that heats up. Oh my god! And, it, and no, can we, no, 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 no can just we, wait. No, just fucking are no, you fucking kidding a, me? It straightens the beard out and looks it look. It's a it it's a makes it look flat iron. It makes it look a little less whatever. I like it. Shut up! I don't care. I like it.
1: It's a flat iron for his beard. He
0: has a flat iron beard. No, it's a comb that heats up. It's
1: when when he told me earlier, he said it's a flat iron for his beard.
0: That's what I tried to make it. That's why I burned myself because I took the comb part off and thought I'll just flatten it, <laughs> see if that works. Yeah, it worked for about a half a second. I love <laughs> this when so much. I burned the shit out of my face and now it's it, so it sort of scabbed. So I got out of the shower day after you know washing my beard and toweling off or whatever, and it was bleeding, and I'm like. Cool.
2: <laughs> it's so great. Whatever. I'm
1: glad we saved it for the podcast. Yeah. So right. am I. I. had no idea. Yeah. It's so
0: great. Oh, oh all boy. Right. Hey, hey, what are you drinking? Hey, <laughs>
1: hey I've
2: been thinking that it's a good
0: You're welcome.
2: Jesus. Uh, need
0: some that's why we're taking a three week break so, hey, so I can heal. Hey, what are you drinking? <laughs>
1: All right, what are we drinking?
0: I don't know what the fuck is this. Well, this is not good. I this don't know. is the, I don't. I kind of like it actually. Nope. I think as it warms up, it might get a little bit better too. I'm really surprised I'm how much I liked it. it. I wasn't expecting. So, that. I, no idea who gave us this beer because I found it in the back I of the can't cabinet. Remember. <laughs> yeah, like the I remember somebody the at the third gave it to us, and I cannot. It's from Rochester Mills Beer Company, which made that juice Bigelow, which was terrible last week. Um, where is I I from? thought the juice was better than this. No, it wasn't. I, I, so it, it's a uh, chocolate cheesecake milk milkshake shake, stout. Yeah, I was expecting nothing out of this. I'm pleasantly surprised. I drink it. It's it's Auburn I Hills, would, Michigan. That's where. I yeah. won't finish. I, I'm kind of fine with it. I think I'm I'm fine with it. Yeah,
1: too. it's I don't. There's something. Uh, it like, has like that, that weird. Milky, it has
0: that weird um, cheesecakey sourness to it. Like a, a little, little bit. bit. Like a. Uh, yeah, That's don't. not the right word. I made mean, that sound completely fucking gross. But like it it's, is, man. It so does. Great. It does taste like a. It's kind of like cheesecake. a. Yeah, I mean, I, that it lives up to its I was gonna say that like, that mm. needs a scoop of vanilla ice cream in it. it oh would be, yeah, a it, beer float. Yeah, yeah. get a scoop
1: of vanilla ice cream and throw that shit out.
0: <laughs> that is really not a fan. <laughs> how do you really feel about it? <laughs> I <laughs> to fucking go to the fridge it. and get a fucking beer I will, out. I God. will. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, well, Does anything make you happy, ever? You quitting made me very
3: happy.
0: <laughs> it made yeah, me too. It's It made us all happy. I <laughs> cannot ever <not> tell you <laughs> how <laughs> much less stress I have in my life uh, that was, since uh, Matt quit. You have no... Do you know, so my last day was Friday. I've had like the three or four best nights of sleep I've had in fucking three years. Yeah, well, it's yeah. definitely the job's fault. Uh, so, how do you yeah. sleep at night? Well, clearly, it said something to do with it. <laughs> like, my fucking therapist knows what I'm talking about. So, yes, yeah, uh, you're a therapist. okay. <laughs> well, I didn't say
1: anything, yeah, okay. No, there's
0: no sarcasm there. Yeah, your therapist, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, we're taking a three week break, all right.
1: <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll check back in in three weeks and see how <laughs> the job's doing. So, it'll be fine.
0: I, I went to my orientation the last couple of days. It felt like coming home, man. There's people I knew. We nice. talked for a while. I saw a friend that I'd worked online for five years with. Like, I mean, it was it was kind of okay. Good. So I'm I'm kind of happy. I had the most stress free weekend sh- of no, work. And, I've had in the last and, and, le- honestly, three years. honestly, no, legitimately like I you're right, you probably did. And that's part of like ninety percent of the reason I quit. Yeah. It was just I couldn't cause any more damage to people. It was it was too much and Oh yeah, we oh, need to move okay. on to fat patty right, sauce. So, oh my god. Bowl checkers here is out Dude, what?
3: People <laughs> think it funny, people think uh, I'm strange. Rolling on.
0: What the <laughs> hell?
3: Eating it up, eating the grub, saying now. Give me that, give <laughs> me <laughs> that,
0: give me that. It looks like a mashed potato a little bit. Like a baked <laughs> potato you tear open. <laughs>
2: that, that, it smells like
0: mashed potatoes. Give me that, give me <laughs> that. <food.
1: laughs> Don't you want a <laughs> What's that
0: smell? What does that smell
1: like? Chilies. It's the, the floor of chilies. <laughs> The what? what? The is floor the of Chili's. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the floor of a uh, Texas Roadhouse.
0: Yeah. Okay, I we saw. are finally getting around to the um, boiled peanuts. Cajun nope. boiled peanuts. Nope. nope. I'm you expecting nothing mouth? out yeah. of these that were given to us by the Lancaster's. Thank you. Uh oh, I've, I've never what? had a boiled peanut in my life, so here. I I can't describe what these look like. <laughs> they look like it looks like the emperor's testicles <laughs> would look. Shriveled and white. All right, let's try this. Okay, so my initial response was no, but okay. So the texture is a little like a bean. Actually, those are. I expecting nothing. That's fucking killer. Those are I, could okay. Okay. I could eat a lot of those. Yeah, I was the first time I was like, yeah. Okay, so and- but here's the thing. I think I think you need it to be like Cajun. Yeah, yeah. It's a I don't think I would right want there. to just do like a regular. Like, yeah. Peanut that has no flavoring in it, other than salt. If I, you can get past the texture, it's not bad. I Man, I kind of like those. Yeah, those are... the. the I'm fla- kind of actually okay with the, the texture. Sp- Spice-wise and flavor-wise, it's pretty good. Yeah. I, w- I will say It's that. like a soft, slimy peanut. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get some napkins here. Same. <laughs> oh, okay, those God. are great. <laughs> I like those infinitely more than I expected to. Yeah. yeah. What are you going to rate them? Um, hmm. George Washington Carvers. Did he invent the peanut? I thought he did. Mm. Isn't that the guy that crossed the Delaware? No. <laughs> Man, those are um. Yeah, I. Okay. Yeah, I'm to be over here eating these the rest of the podcast. Yeah. You guys can do this.
1: <clears throat> the peanuts are soft. That's the the the, That's the only really weird disarming thing.
0: Well, they've been soaking in their own juices for, God knows how long. That, Same. That Cajun seasoning is killer. Yeah. On that. All right. There's just enough heat to make it worth, worth your time. I'm giving those. A, I'm giving those a four. You
1: should drink the soup. Drink the. the... All right. You know. All right I'm, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna drink the soup too. Mmm. Well, oh, it's
0: a lot. Of, it's basically. Oh, so it's basically salt. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. Uh. <laughs> Somebody just dissolved a salt lick in water. (laughs) Oh my god! I am never gonna get over the saltiness of that. That's what she said. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, that was. Oh man, that was not advisable. Mm. Hey, that's what she said. (laughs) Oh
1: man, yeah. All right, I gotta get. I gotta get a beer.
0: You
2: got some kick-ass
1: shit!
0: So, thank you, Lancasters, for Yeah, the, those are actually... I, I, yeah. I, am, I am pleasantly surprised. Maybe the low expectations helped.
1: I love tasting your salty peanuts. <laughs>
3: God.
0: All right, what's next? I don't know. Uh,
1: yeah, we'll do the... Um, are we t- is oh. it
0: time for our three-week break yet? <laughs> are, are we there yet? <laughs>
1: um, let me find... I'm trying to find the... Uh,
0: I'm already done with Twitter. <laughs> Okay. I'm just kidding. I'm not. <laughs>
1: um, where's the? Is it the button? I had sex. Nope. That's nope. not it. That's not it. Um, <laughs> what? The,
0: what was that? Richard Roy.
1: <laughs> oh, here it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It's it's that time.
0: Sorry, I'm shoving my face with slimy soft
1: peanut. Was that the? Is that the quote? From. <laughs> now it's time for a meditation with
0: uh, Gary Busey. Um, Your picture is like a movie But your is Y-O-U apostrophe R-E Your you are picture, picture is like, like a, a movie, movie. <laughs> This concludes Meditating with Gary Busey As well as an important grammar lesson
1: <laughs> uh, Brightside Always look on the bright side. You're listening side to of Look on the life. Bright Side with Mr. Bright Side himself, Matt Polly. Always look on the bright side of life.
0: If life seems jolly rotten. Brad. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm over here eating boiled <laughs> peanuts, so. And Michael left to get a beer, God so. damn, these are great. Yeah. Um so I think uh, I've been listening to uh, Ramdas lectures. Oh yeah, yeah. Like as I'm driving, and they've been <clears throat> really good. Yeah. Um, Any specific ones? No, I've just uh, the uh, here and now podcast. I fast forward through whatever the guy that yeah is the intro guy, and then they just play like old stuff from Ramdas. <sighs> and. It's really good. Can really you stop good. eating for five Sorry. seconds and tell us your bright oh. side? I need I am coated in liquid, whatever this is. Yeah. God. Um so anyway, yeah, they've been they're really good. Um you know <laughs> I know what he's writing down. Oh god damn it. You fucker. <laughs> what? I'm just taking notes for
1: later. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I'm sure you are. Um the uh yeah, they're really good. They the Ones I've listened to uh, this week were like about awareness and about how we're not the, all these identities we put on ourselves, we're not any of that. Yeah, Like he, he likens it to the sky and he's like, you have this blue expanse of sky and you've got all this stuff moving through it. Clouds, airplanes, birds, whatever. We focus on the clouds, the airplanes, and the birds, but you're the sky. You're not the Stuff flowing through this guy—that's just stuff that's happening to your life, like yeah. That's all these identities and things that come through, <clears throat> but that's not who we really are. And so but we tend to latch on to those things, mm-hmm. and oh, this is who I am. Yeah. And he's like, but your your awareness is the sky. That's that's who you. That's what you are. Is your awareness? Yeah. And not the all the circumstantial shit, you know, that comes through. It's just I don't know, man. It's just a different. It's really interesting. It's just a different perspective than what we grew up with. Mm-hmm. And yeah.
1: You are not your preferences. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You and are it, not. So it's, you can't. If you say, uh, I am a cheese lover. I like Rage Against the Machine. Right. And my favorite color is purple. Right. That, who, who the fuck cares? That's right. not who you are. Exactly. Right. That's, I'm Brad. And I fix
0: coffee equipment. No, you're not. Like, no. that's just part of the, your life. That's not who you actually are. Yeah. And... You know, it's important to remember that shit when you're having even a a good day or a bad day. Just go, this is... I mean, it's kind of what I was talking about with this. I think that's essentially what it means that life is meaningless. Like, all this shit that we... All this stuff that we focus on, all it does is really just take us out of the moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in that way, it's utterly meaningless. Mm -hmm. That it's all going to fade away. It's all going to pass away. None of it matters. Yeah. And, And so, it's just been... I don't know, man. It's just... You know, I growing up hearing, uh, Ram Dass was like a dirty word in the church. Yeah, sure. like and and it was just New Age. You know, we heard taught all the heard all the time about New Age. Well, he's not really New Age. No. Like he's just an Eastern Hindu thinker. Like no. that's not New Age. In fact, he actually in times talks about the vapid bullshit of New Age. Yeah, some New Age thought. Yeah, <clears throat> but it's just interesting to hear. A a completely different spiritual perspective than what we grew up with, and how it actually, I think, really digs down. There's a reason that Ramdas really likes Jesus, yeah, yeah, and talks about his teachings. I think he sees Jesus for what he was that was an enlightened being Mm -hmm. and somebody who woke up Mm -hmm. essentially. Like, and so when you look at it through that lens, the stuff of Jesus, I've been thinking about it, just takes on completely different meaning and depth and whatever. So I just, his, his lectures, the be here now podcast is really, really good. If you Mm -hmm. skip the first, God knows how many minutes of whatever the guy's name is. Much much like this 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 podcast. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And get to the, get to the good stuff with him. So, yep. Well, and and I think that, you know, I finished uh Pete Holmes's book. Yeah, uh, it was good. Comedy sex God. Yeah, Yeah, it's good. And I, if somebody asked me what three books should I read? I would tell them that, uh, that book, Comedy Sex God by Pete Holmes. This by Michael Gunger and Universal Christ by War. They're all saying the same fucking thing. yeah. They are yeah. like reading those three books this year <clears throat> within a couple months of each other. Yeah. Yep. It was like just a like a fire hose of being the moment. Yeah. Being the moment. Yeah. You're not. You're not your Id- You're not this <clears throat> meat sack that you think. Yeah. You're, that's not you. Yep. Yeah.
1: It's interesting that like all those books came out, and then I would add Eckhart Tolle. I would add yes. Rob Bell's uh, "How to Be Here." I would add Sean Nequest uh, yeah. They're all uh, saying the same Present thing. Present over perfect. Yeah. It, it's interesting to see how all those books came out. Well, without with the exception of Tolle's book, uh, all those came out around the same time, and uh, they're all there. It's like a movement, a collective consciousness. Yeah. That that we yep. are moving mm-hmm. forward, which
0: I think can do nothing but good things for the world. Yeah. I really do. Uh, my good thing. Um, uh, I had several. I'll go with this one. I had an exceptionally good date with my wife last night. Oh, nice. um, we went to Upland, sat outside. It was like a perfect evening, um, and it just just sat and talked and ate. And I mean, just it was great. And talked about the you know the future and kind of where my future's headed. And um, I think for the first time we've realized that. It feels like we're after the last three years of, you know, me struggling at work and breast cancer and some other shit that's gone on in our lives, like we're finally, it feels like we're coming out of a, um, into a, into a more clear lighted area. Yeah. If that makes sense. Right. Into a more, it it feels like positive things are starting to happen for the first time in a very long time. Hmm. Um, and that's a good thing. And so I, I, again, it goes back to staying, I'm just trying to stay in, okay, today is good. Today was good. We'll whatever tomorrow is, tomorrow will be. And um I've been meditating pretty consistently and just trying to keep that practice, just trying to build a practice there around that and so I I I feels like there's just a lot of like I said all those books that we've read have started to, yeah. I think it's it's like a cumulative effect, I think. Yeah. With the books we've read and with the meditation, I think it's just starting to have a cumulative effect on me, which can do nothing but help my relationships with friends and family and being a better father and a better husband and better worker and all that. So, Yeah. Michael?
1: Um, <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about this later because um, in the things discussed in the pub. But favorite thing, um, this week it was called Drag Queen Storytime.
2: And uh, it was
1: it was during uh, Pride and Spencer, uh, and it was a drag queen reading uh, children's books to my kids. Nice, it was fucking awesome. That's great. Yeah, so it was. Yeah, we went to
0: took the family to Pride on Saturday too. Obviously, spent some time with you guys. It was great, man. Like, it was just really. Other than the dickhead with the megaphone, yeah, which uh, Lucas confronted. I've I've come up with an idea. For next year, I'm buying a fucking megaphone, and I'm going to stand facing him, and just talk. I'm going to have a list of scriptures that talk mm-hmm. about love and about Jesus. I'm going to read the entire "Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites" passage, <laughs> and I'm just going to talk to him and drown him out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'll turn my megaphone up to eleven or whatever, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to drown him out because it. Like it was funny, I. It wasn't funny. I was pissing me off to no end. Like I, I told Mandy, I'm like, I'm gonna go over this. She's like, please don't. Like
1: <laughs> Lucas went straight I over I know. That. Like,
0: she's like, just can we just be with the family? Nobody's paying any attention. Which was true. Like, essentially nobody was really paying attention. Yeah. But it was interesting. I was kind of as he's barking, you couldn't even here's the thing, you couldn't even hear what the fuck he was saying. Like
1: but, but you could hear the tone and it was angry. It,
0: but like it's just like, what the fuck are you do you think you're doing? Yeah. Like none of that matters. Like, what the fuck? you couldn't tell what he was saying other than you know Train. what he was it's saying. High-paying, high-paying it's, uh, it's a goddamn ads. man. So, but it was funny because I was, uh, you could, people were making comments about it. Like, you yeah. could hear, like, and what was really interesting, and I think this should tell the church a lot, was I heard, so, I heard a few people talking about it to each other, and they were like, and one lady was like, that shit doesn't even bother me anymore. I don't even care. Like, they couldn't give less of a shit about what that guy had to say
1: you're not raining on their parade
0: no like they it wasn't it wasn't bothering them in the least but i just it was bugging me more than it was bugging a lot of people so i'm just like man fuck off like god just if you want to be miserable fine but don't bring it to this place that's supposed to be about a celebration of humanity (sighs) man fuck off yeah yep it was awesome yep but yeah pride itself was great
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, I forgot to do this round on. Uh, this round <laughs> is on uh, the Pastor's Pub. It's a closed Facebook group where we talk about life, spirituality, and just about everything else. Things discussed in the pub this week. Pride Month. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people c- celebrating Pride Month. Um, yeah. A lot of people going. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a turd who per- who performed in the drag show. Um, it was incredible. Freaking incredible. Um, uh Another thing discussed in the pub this week, Brad saw Matt's dong.
0: What the fuck are you doing in my bedroom, man? Like, and then, you're, then you had the, the gall to ask me, why are you rocking your house naked? It's my fucking house. And I just got out of the shower. But still. No, not but still. I got out to go get some underwear out of my drawer <coughs> naked. Wait, why would you not just take it into the is bathroom? Is your bathroom in, or... in the Because hallway? it's in my fucking house. I can do what I want. Wait, wait, wait. Is, your, is
1: your, your upstairs bathroom that yeah. you showered in? Is it in the hallway? Did you have to go no. down the hallway? No, so he came into my it's room. It's adjacent to your bedroom. It's like no, it's yeah. connected to my bedroom. Yeah, 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 that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so it's it's you literally walk out of your in, bathroom right to my dresser and your bedroom. Yes. Okay. Just, and just there he was,
0: then. standing on my fucking doorway. I'm like, what the hell? What I he literally got opened the door right as you came. I, out. Did not expect that.
1: I'm coming in. It,
0: it couldn't have been I'm time better slash better. Worse. worse. Let's go with worse. Not better. Let's go with worse. So, uh, how's thank it God licking? I wasn't erect. Jesus. How's it looking? What? Wait, why would you be erect? <laughs> Apparently you took a cold shower. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. There you go. haven't right. seen it in a while. Just, a... just doing a checkup. <laughs> hey! Doing a welder's check <laughs> on
1: it.
2: <laughs>
1: any any
0: discoloration? Turns out, turns out that gravity ravage balls, not necessarily yeah. for everyone. Yeah, <laughs> That's, uh, it's an acquired taste. Did, did the rash clear up? Is it still <laughs> <laughs> the, the warts are clearing up nicely?
1: Finally, all right. Uh, oh, I, that was from last week. I'm not going to delete that. Um, there was a. Um, a dead deer on the side of the road in my neighborhood. God, that was so <laughs> great, man. Oh man. Okay, so um, I live in the country. We've got a, a closed Facebook group for my neighborhood, of which people is who
0: live there. hilarious in itself. It was it ours well, too. Do you really? We have we have
1: two closed Facebook groups. So there's 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 two rival groups. I'm in both. Two um, rival groups. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but in the one the the bigger one, uh, somebody had a. So so there was a all it said was, Well, basically there was a dead deer. Somebody somebody hit a deer. Somebody else came up and attached a balloon to the dead deer. The the balloon said, Get well soon. Yeah. A third person came up to the balloon and or uh, came up to this and, and put another balloon, exact same balloon as the first yeah. one, but two separate people had the same idea. And so there's two good get well soon uh balloons. Another, one of the balloons fell off. It was replaced within hours. Um it was just a which whole, means somebody
0: drove to fucking Kroger yes. or somewhere. Yes. And got one of those and drove it back to the and by the way, Michael lives like I live you're in the country fifteen minutes from town at yeah. least. Yes. At least yep. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it was
1: It was a whole idea Some people were very upset Some people
0: It's a dead fucking deer They're not It's not like they're endangered Yeah God people not, that You see them all over yeah. the place On the side of the road yeah. Getting hit uh,
1: Another person suggested We should all get a balloon And then you know Airlift this deer up <laughs> to heaven That was another idea From some <laughs> that, thre- that thread That thread was pretty epic Yeah It, it, yeah. it was it, it is quintessential My neighborhood So <laughs> it you know. was great Um <laughs> Also, people things discussed in the pub this week dealing with friends that take advantage of you. Mm-hmm. That was uh, a lot of shit beers in the pub. So we had Miller High Life PBR Extra Natty Daddy,
0: Natty Daddy. Is Lucas drinking that? that sounds I like have some Lucas. No idea. Definitely sounds like a Lucas. Yeah, um, a Lucas joint. Uh, I got this for like uh, three dollars for a twelve pack.
1: Yeah, basically Sam's <laughs> choice beer is what it is. Oh, God. Um, yeah, and then um. Travis Pinkston posting empty bottles of liquor Like every other day <laughs> Hey buddy, you might have a problem <laughs> This is an intervention uh, No, we learn later the interventions don't run Change Alright, <laughs> yes. right. Right, here we go Lock
2: up your fears, dry all your tears Refill your beers, we're headed
0: All right. Um, from, uh, KLFY.
1: Where chickens comes first. Comes first. Comes first. Doesn't even make
0: a fucking lick of sense, Michael. I need to preface it with this song. Maybe. <laughs> it's a great song. Yeah. I, it's not a great song. <laughs> the message, not great. Uh, didn't do much for women's rights, but, um, uh, Louisiana principal resigns after being arrested at Strip Club while on a school field trip. Huh. Okay. <laughs> uh, Holy Family principal, Michael Carnot, was arrested Thursday, May 30th in Washington, D.C. at a Strip Club. Uh, according to a police report, officers responded to Archibald's Gentleman's Club. <laughs> Archibald's Gentleman's Club. Archibald. <laughs> uh, for an intoxicated man refusing to pay his bill. Oh, you know who I am. I didn't even come. I'm not paying unless I come. If you want my money, you can get out of her, out of Diamond's G-String. <laughs> um, uh, Carnot, or Camo, whatever sure. whatever, whatever. name is. Uh, let's call him Michael. His name's Michael. Uh, Fuck you. No, his name is actually Michael. <laughs> let's call him Michael. His name is Michael. Dude, Relax. Uh, of
3: oh, that you immediately God. took offense to that. Jesus.
0: what's us just call him Michael. Dude, his name is Michael Kamau. <laughs> All right? Have you guys tried these peanuts? Yeah, they're good. Uh, anyway, Kamau allegedly was observed standing in the roadway, refusing to move, according to the police report. It wanted to say officers asked him, to mul- asked him multiple times to move out of the roadway, but he refused. He was arrested for public intoxication and possession of an open container of alcohol. Numerous, numerous sources told the nine news investigation, investigators Investigators Why are you investigating that? There's nothing to investigate That he had a service dog with him at the strip club <laughs> The dog was describing to him what the women looked like <laughs> bark,
1: bark three times and she's got huge titties
2: Woof, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: This place Shit. smells like a wet mop, and I think everybody here has a low grade <laughs> fever. Um, the Catholic school principal also worked as a part time reserve police officer. Like for the- Where's the
1: seafood buffet? <laughs> I smell sushi. I
2: <laughs>
0: already had sashimi for lunch. I don't need any of that. Um, I had sex. The t- <laughs> uh. Oh my God! Uh, Anyway, so uh, the Diocese of Baton Rouge uh, released a statement about the incident Friday evening. The Diocese of Baton Rouge confirmed today that Michael Kamau, principal at Holy Family School in Port Allen, was arrested on May 30th while on a school-sponsored trip to Washington D.C. The incident occurred when the students on the trip were in their hotel rooms for the evening under the supervision of other chaperones. Mr. Kamau had been principal of Holy Family School for five years, and prior to that time, had (laughs) served in public education in the surrounding area. Mr. Kamau has submitted his uh, resignation as principal and an interim principal will be appointed. Anyway, yeah. probably a woman, if you're smart. Most likely. Although I'm not sure the Catholic Church is big on woman, women no, leaders. So Very true. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Hey, watch so. the kids. I'm going to go see some tits. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Dancing down on the Sunset Strip. All right. Uh, and then a good story. Sorry. In fact, the church... When you oppress <laughs> people and tell them that their like urges are bad, that's the shit that happens. Yep, he sneaks off to the strip club. He went club. away from home and was like, "Well, I can go to the titty bar now." And yep, uh, God, he couldn't get it. <laughs> Never mind. No, what no. were you gonna say, man? No, nothing. nothing. What? No, he what wasn't was gonna that? say. Anything. It was a Pete Holmes thing. Um, okay,
1: blame it on Pete Holmes. That's fine.
0: But it's a Pete Holmes joke, so I would. I'm still eating these peanuts. They're delicious. No, don't say it. (laughs) He couldn't get his titties free range, so he went to the strip club where they have him caged up. That's the (laughs) penal joke. That's pretty good. (laughs) That's pretty good, actually. Wow. (laughs) You insisted. I tried to stop, and you insisted. Good story from Good News Network. Hey, they're on your side. When... Yeah, I think it's gonna be longer than a three week break. Is what I think. <laughs> well, now we got an interview it's coming up after that, yeah. so it might be a three week break. <laughs> and then one episode, three, and then a break. long, and then break. the end. Uh, when, <laughs> mom won, the end. <laughs> when mom wanted when mom wanted to build Walker Walker for her son, Home Depot workers sent them for ice cream and got to work. Huh. Uh, these Home Depot employees are being praised for going above and beyond the call of duty. One of the customers had a very specific request. Christian and Justin Moore walked into the Home Depot in Cedarton. Um, Cedartown, 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 Georgia. Earlier this week, it's probably Cedarton. lovely this Georgia. Earlier Cedartown. this week, uh, with the intention of building a walker for the two-year-old son Logan. Logan uh, was born with hypotonia, uh, and his bones are also made of adamantium, uh, a condition that makes it difficult to build nope. strong muscle. What? Nope. nope. It's a Logan joke. Nope. <laughs> All go ahead. Right, whatever. I figured you, of all people, would appreciate an X Men joke. I got it. Okay. A condition that makes it difficult to build strong muscle mass. Since the condition makes it harder for Logan to walk and stand, his physical therapist suggested they get him a gait trainer. Uh, Logan's parents were worried that their insurance would not cover a walker because why the fuck would they? Fuck this country and this goddamn insurance. <laughs> seriously. Fuck it. Dude, seriously. I know. Like, it's just- you shouldn't have to go to fucking Home Depot no. to build a walker for your son no. out of PVC pipe. God. God. The parents then turned to YouTube and found instructional videos on how to build a walker out of PVC pipe. Christian and Justin went to the home goods store with a supply list of tools and materials they would need. Upon showing the list to one of the employees, the couple was joined by the store manager, and they were stunned by what the workers had to say. They started getting the parts together, told us they would put it together, and would not charge us for it. They told us to go get ice cream and come back in an hour. (laughs) By the time they returned, the Home Depot employees had assembled a brandy walker for Logan, and it even featured his name across the front. I couldn't believe... Uh, The mother said, I couldn't believe they were willing to do that. It took everything I had not to cry because it hasn't been an easy road for my son. He's had a hard time doing things that would be easy for most children his age. One of the employees, Jeffrey Anderson, later posted photos of the heartwarming exchange on Facebook, saying everyone was crying uh, to see Logan walk around with the biggest smile on his face. And when the family tried to pay us, we said, no way. This one's on us. Thanks to all that help. Thanks uh, to all that help and for being a blessing to this family, to this little guy. Hmm. Anyway, the kid's cute as a fucking button, man. Like, look at this kid. (laughs) <laughs> Look at that grand man Love it <laughs> uh, Anyway Yeah they built him It's out of orange PVC pipe It's got orange wheels And I mean it's just Anyway So that's it's one of those stories That's great Because there's good humans out there But this fucking country You shouldn't have to go to Home Depot To buy a goddamn walker For right. your son that needs it yep. Like it's you know, just what, it's, you it's know, just you hear stories like this and it is it's lovely from a human's perspective. It's yes, great. But from a fuck like from a national perspective, it's, it's a fucking it's disgrace. An em, it's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment and a fucking disgrace for this country. I mean, and, and, see, and, they're, and they're trying to cut. I mean, if in this country, they're trying to cut these kind of people off from health care. I know it's they'll insane. call it a pre-existing condition. It's insane. Eat a fucking dick, man. I know, like man. it's crazy. I, I just. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you see these stories and like I said, it's it's. Heartwarming until you really dig and, and keep digging and go, wait a second. Yeah. What if we lived in a fucking country where, like, you didn't have to crowdfund somebody's health care? Yeah. Like, where hospitals are going, hey, you should set up a crowdfunding thing. Just to, insane. To fund your heart transplant. Yeah, are you fucking serious? It's crazy. Hmm. It is. It's nuts. Other countries are laughing at us and we deserve every bit, every of, bit it. of it. Yeah. 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 We're actively trying to destroy people's lives. Yep. It's just insane to me. For the money. It's not even for the money anymore. It's just out of cruelty. It's just cruelty it at is. this point. It is just cruelty. It's the c- it's the cruelty, cruelty is the point. It is. Yep. 100%. Yep. We can't afford health care, but by God, we can afford to bomb the fuck out of Iran when we yeah, get around to right. that. I know. Whenever we have money to war, it's always there's always money for war, but there's never money for goddamn walkers for two-year-olds. Yep. Ugh, God. Brad, what do you got? Um safe sealed for 40 years until, oh, I almost used this until a museum yeah. visitor spins the dial <laughs> so this was uh was it Tom Cruise this safe was Da-da-da-da. it was yes Da-da-da. it was the pink panther he screamed at it you don't understand psychology i do and it opened out of just complete exasperation. And jumped on a couch. Yep. Uh, so, <laughs> God, I every once in a while for some stupid fucking reason I will watch that Today Show interview he did with Matt Lauer. Uh-huh. Yeah. You don't understand medicine. I do. <laughs> like a crazy fucking look in his eyes. is amazing. Yeah. All right, being glib. Yeah. Um. So, this safe was uh, shut up for forty years. Um, in I think this is in Edmonton. It doesn't do a really great job of telling you in the story where any of the shit took place. <laughs> I think Edmonton. There was
1: a safe somewhere.
0: There was a guy. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, so in this, it's a, it, in this museum, um, a visitor to Vermilion Alta Museum where the safe sits in the basement. It, it, this guy is basically, so they've had sit, professional safe crackers try to crack this thing, and it was from the old, it's a one-ton safe, so it's huge. It's in Alberta, Canada, by the way. Okay. Uh, it came from the town's old Brunswick Hotel, which closed in the 70s, so.
1: I'm glad they got rid of the old one. They got the, the new right? Brunswick.
0: So it closed, and they brought it to this museum, like, well, we can't open it, but it's a cool piece of history of the town or whatever. And so it was donated in the mid-90s, and the safe had to be lowered into a onto a specially reinforced floor in the basement with a crane. Yeah. So this thing is fucking huge. Yeah. So <clears throat> the manager of the hotel couldn't recall the combination or if there was anything of value inside. Countless visitors to the museum have tinkered with it over the years to no avail. Years ago, a locksmith told museum volunteers the safe was likely too old and seized up to ever be opened again. So... Along comes this guy, and he's just, he's a fucking machinist. Like, Hmm. and so he comes and he just, he says he leaned his ear close to the lock. He began cranking the lock and listened intently for the telltale click, click, click. He said, I put in 20, 40, 60, three times right, three times left, one time right. Tried it. It's like, oh my God. That's so crazy, man. The door creaked open. 20, 40, 60. The room filled with a cloud of dust and a round of applause. And Everybody so, breathe in <clears throat> the spores of Montezuma. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Not, enjoy your asbestos you just <laughs> inhaled into your lungs. Uh, so, long story short, there's no treasure in it, like... There wasn't anything valuable inside of it, but there were a few documents from the final days inside the hotel. There was a dusty pad full of restaurant orders and a forgotten pay slip from 77. <laughs> it listed four and a half hours at time and a half, seven hours at straight time and $42 deducted for meals. And it came to a total payout of $9 and some cents. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I just thought that was kind of an interesting, I don't know. That kind of stuff is just fascinating to me. Yeah. Like, of all the people, this random machinist just walks in yeah. and just like, click, 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 click. Oh, here, right, right, right open. Hmm. Reminds me of this. Wait.
2: I'll tell. I'll tell. I knew it would work.
0: <laughs> space <laughs> All balls. right. Give it to me. <laughs> yeah. One. The combination <laughs> All is... right. Everybody's seen it. Michael hates it. All right. One. <laughs> One. One. Two. Two. <laughs> Two. God damn. Three. 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 Four. 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 <laughs> Five. 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 So the combination is one, (laughs) two, three, four, five. That's the stupidest combination i ever had in my life. That's the kind of thing an idiot would have on his luggage. (laughs) All right. Uh, And then uh, Snoop Dogg breaks Guinness World Record for largest gin and juice. Fucking A, man. So Says while you were Barbecuing and catching up on sleep over the holiday weekend Snoop Dogg was busy making history And breaking records With none other than gin and juice by his side Snoop took the stage at the Bottle Rock Napa Valley Music Festival Boy but that is a white person I think he's done this before too That is a white person glory land right there Yes He had a hundred bucks he was the only black guy there Uh And there were dozens of women with. Uh, oh no! So it says he fell. He took. Up, <laughs> he went to the festival with fellow West Coast rapper Warren G and Top Chef season six winner Michael Voltaggio, so with the <laughs> help of like, Warren G was there. So this is actually now a Guinness World Record. Oh yeah! Like they were Guinness was there yeah. on hand verified the record. Uh, it says sipping on this gin and juice would probably make a small army take a small army to finish with Guinness confirming the cocktail measured in it, more than 132 gallons. That's a lot Jeez. of gin and juice, Jeez, man. It is 180 <laughs> bottles of gin, 154 <laughs> bottles of apricot brandy and 38 <laughs> jugs of orange juice. Wow. Look at this motherfucker. It's what just you doing? massive. Oh, I love it. It's it's the new record for the largest paradise cocktail, which mm. what the fuck? So anyway, I I, I Jimmy am Jimmy Buffett is pissed. I am convinced that Snoop is a national treasure. The dude, dude is like, just when he does like the animal videos and shit. Like he oh is my God. just fantastic. Uh, I just love him. So down the street, anyway, smoking. There you go, Michael. Go. What do you have? Uh,
1: product update: Mountain Dew's new Liberty Brew combines fifty flavors in one drink.
0: Nope. Ew. What? No. no. But yep,
1: mountain m- Why? I, because they can't. It's a midnight blue col- uh, colored soda. Um, yeah. There are um, 50 states, so they need 50 flavors for it. No, it's they don't. America approved. Nope. Mer- America. <laughs> nope. Yep. So, yeah, seems excessive. A little
0: bit. I had the uh, Baja Blast. That's pretty mm-hmm. good thought of you. Oh yeah, it's good. Well, I thought blast is great. I thought of you the entire time I drank it. Yeah. All
1: right, um Mexican officials uh 246 cocaine packages extracted from a body of a man who died mid-flight. What? 246 One of the bags burst. cocaine packages extracted from a body of a man oh, geez, who died wait. mid-flight. What the fuck? He had 240 six cocaine packages inside of him and he died in the flight mid-flight i
0: miss wow
1: Boy, well there's a lot going on there so he died on, on board the plane um he was a 42 year old Jap- uh, man of japanese origin uh who's only identified as udo in um
0: does it just mean the mule in japanese probably oh, jesus um
1: Flying from Mexico to uh, Tokyo's uh, airport.
0: Boy, that's a long flight with a body full of cocaine. Well, yeah, he yeah died. the body's going to break that <laughs> shit down at some Jeez. point, right? Yeah. Like
1: uh, the man. I'm assuming
0: he shoved it up his ass. Like
1: I would guess, um, but I'm not sure. Uh, the man's cause of death is noted to be cerebral edemia? edema. Edema. Uh, from hypertensive crisis due to narcotic overdose. So one his of them
0: blood pressure open and he blew away. it. He basically his heart blew up. Yep. Yep. Boy, so. that's a bad way to go. And man. It's so, it's fucking sad. Yeah. Like it really is because yeah. this guy got roped into doing this shit. Yep. Like what cartels do. I was watching some TV show. I have no idea why. I just got stuck. No, it wasn't blue blood. It was. <laughs> it was uh, like a a show where they follow the narcotics officers and around the airport, like in Bogota, oh, Colombia. Yeah. And they were talking about, they just recruit like these poor people. Like, yeah. And they're basically like, we'll pay you 10000 And these people are literally just expendable. They mm-hmm. couldn't give, they assume a good many of these people are going to get arrested. Yep. And they just couldn't fucking give a shit. Yep. And it, it was like people with kids. and And these people were like, they would question them like they're poor and they're like, Yeah, I got offered $5,000 to do this. Yeah. Well, fuck, why wouldn't why you? Wouldn't like, you? yeah. The cartel tells them there's no problem. We've stored everything. We've, you know, we'll take care of all the storage or whatever. Well, and some of it slips through, but inevitably a lot of these people get caught and they're fucked for the rest of their or life. Or they die. Or I they, mean, di- like, yeah. It's just, it's sad, man. It really is. So,
1: um, so uh, an- another thing. This is, uh, so Instagram influencers is, is a thing. Like I almost use this story too. Uh, and I think it's fascinating because, um, followers mean fucking nothing. So this Instagram influencer, uh, can known, we talk about how
0: much of that term pisses me off? Well, <laughs> that's not a fucking thing, man. Like, well,
1: here's the thing. Okay. So, so she's known as Ari. Uh, she, um, has nearly 3 million followers. So that's a, that's a big, that's a, a, a fairly two big thirds place. of are bots. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> so she, uh, so she, she was able to basically start a clothing line because of the, her, her, uh, followers and, um, what has happened and since been deleted, um, she started this and she needed to sell a minimum of 36, uh, t-shirts and she could not sell 36 t-shirts. Two million, oh, oh, almost three million followers, and she. couldn't oh, I thought sell that's 36.
0: all she sold was thirty six, and she had to sell more than <clears throat> that.
1: Um, I, I, I could, I did
0: read the entire article, so you may be right. I just
1: she couldn't, she could not sell thirty six. Wow, she needed to sell thirty six. She couldn't wow. even sell that. Um, all this to say is followers mean nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you yep. can't mobilize followers. Nope,
0: nope. So yeah I don't know which just one of those things like you're just clicking like you're just click you just clicking follow follow yeah, it's follow yeah. follow 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 if I follow one bourbon place I follow seven bourbon places yeah. I don't give a shit. it's our it's our whole stupid celebrity culture of like yeah like the influencer stuff and it's just I mean like watching that fire festival documentary yeah was simultaneously the funniest fucking thing I've ever watched watching rich and the people get saddest over. fucking thing yeah. I've ever yeah. watched. Like, to watch these people, like, they were bilked into going to this fucking festival by rich influencers on Instagram? Mm-hmm. What the fuck is that? I know. Like, and they showed up and got absolutely just fucked into the dirt. Yeah, yeah. And, like, it was simultaneously funny and sad. Like, Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I just... Oh God. The whole... Influencer thing Just irritates me To no end Like, like you really influencer does. Instagram influencer Yeah Stop I mean, it just, like, just fucking stop it yeah. Man Like I know. Well here's the problem Is that That's what kids Want to be now I know They don't yeah. want to be Astrophysicists They no, don't want to be they Scientists They want to be uh, Famous on YouTube They want to do The least possible yeah. amount yeah. of anything Well you at least with the...
1: YouTube It converts to actual money That's yeah. that I mean Right If you create content You can You can be A
0: millionaire Right
1: By creating mediocre content that yep. people watch,
0: but, but the problem is that now that's what everybody every kid wants oh, yeah. to do that it'll be fucking jeff taco wanted he's like i want my own youtube thing i'm like no we're not we're not doing that i like, have been hammering into my kids like i i really wish i wouldn't have let let them get so into that shit i didn't realize it until they were you don't know I even mean? well yeah i know and you know i've heard them talk about oh i got this post got 12 likes. And I've literally just looked at it. It doesn't it doesn't matter. No. Yeah. Like I, who cares? Like yeah. none of that matters. I've been trying to get them to say like see like dude, that is not anything worth actually pursuing cuz yeah. it is freaking vapor. It's yeah. nothing.
1: <clears throat> I honestly think like before that movement, the YouTube market market and everything kind of moving to that, I, I think music in a lot of ways went to that too, where everybody wants to be an artist. Everybody wants to mu- be a yep. musician. And it it has changed the the landscape of, of the music industry where everyone feels they can be an artist. Um, not that everyone can't be an artist, but it, it gave people unrealistic expectations of, of what it took to, to become famous and rich. Yep. And they thought that was a quick, get quick, I get rich quick fix, and it's just not. I'm yeah, not. I'm not I, saying all music is that way. I'm not no, saying no, no, all no, no, no. I, but
0: I don't. I don't know the comparisons right on that because at least with music, you're you can bring something good into the world.
1: Spend spend fifteen minutes on SoundCloud.
0: No, I, mean, I get it. I mean, I go down rabbit holes, but I'd rather people try to be creative than just. I don't for know. Sure, I for mean, sure. sure. I I think. I, I think
1: if know. it comes from a uh, from a source of creation, and same with YouTube, if 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 you're using it to uh for a creative outlet that's fine um but it, but don't use it to get rich right. don't use it to become famous same with instagram but
0: that's what everybody's doing now yes. that's the culture we live yep. in and so that's and that's a problem i think yeah
1: i mean start a podcast same thing
0: yeah i mean i guess to some extent it yeah. is
1: um all right i've, I've got three more but um i know you're not gonna <laughs> let me do it so she's number one two three i can't decide two all right uh women are sharing pictures of an identical freckle they all have on their wrist.
0: Man, I saw that. How weird is this shit?
1: So a post on Twitter showed a selection of women showing the freckle in the middle of their wrist, and so um, I I just want to know if there are any listeners out there yeah, who are I'm looking at their too. their wrist, where basically where their their watch would be or around that general area, and if they have like a single freckle. I want to know because hmm. because apparently it's a big thing um, that uh, that. That women will sometimes just get a random freckle. Do you guys have any freckles in the middle? I have tons of freckles. So I have a lot of freckles. Of so
0: I doesn't really matter. No, I mean I don't have one like right in the middle. I no, I don't yeah. either.
1: I've I've got, you know,
0: one here. Mine are more back, shoulders, yeah. and chest than they are. Yeah. yeah. So
1: um, yeah, I just want to know if uh, I guess a, a freckle is usually a uh, high deposit of uh, melanin uh, at ones in one spot of the skin, so it seems like our bodies are depositing. Our melanin in one place around the middle of our wrists. So, and specifically women, it looks like uh, have more often than not uh, a, a freckle in the middle of their wrist. Wrist. So, yeah. It's weird. Yeah, and lot. It's so many people have just a single freckle on their on their wrist. Yeah. Yep. So weird. All right. You want me to do the other two.
0: No. All right. Nope, nope, not even a word. Sure, no. Can I just read the titles? No, it's nine fifteen, Michael. No. God damn it! I am so looking forward to not having to say that for the next three uh, weeks. <laughs>
2: it's nine fourteen.
0: I can be in bed at nine fifteen. I'm
1: gonna read the other two. I, I'm not gonna read the oh, article. God. One is taste receptors found in mouse testicles. Taste, I almost used that one. Testicles. Too. Yeah. And then another one. Uh this is a cutting room floor. Uh man suffers nine day erection after bruising his taint in the movie Yeah, that I'd could accident. post like nine times in the pub, so <laughs> I saw it. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: All right. Without further ado, let's go further out further in. Um, let me find the music. Let me find. Let me find the music.
2: Uh, <laughs> I just saw one of my... I just
1: saw one of the hashtags I've written
0: Yeah,
1: Timothy McMahon uh, King is a writer, a non-profit <laughs> professional, and the owner of Vagabond Strategies. He has worked as a community organizer in Chicago, a sheet... A Chief Strategy <laughs> Officer with Sojourners. I thought you going to say a, a, a chief, metal operator or something.
0: I was like, wait, what?
1: And currently serves as a consultant for the Center of Action and Contemplation. King's work has been published in Christianity Today, Sojourners, and other venues. And ha- he has been interviewed by ABC, the BBC, Time, CNN, and the Daily Beast. And now apparently the Pastor's Podcast. <laughs> um, a graduate of More One North- of these things yeah. just doesn't belong here. It's the Daily Beast. Fucked him. They're a shit, rag. They are a, shit um, rag. a he's a graduate Fuck of Megan McCain. Of, he's a graduate of North Park <laughs> University uh, with degrees in theology, philosophy. Uh, King lives with his wife Hannah in New England. New wife, new wife. brand new, like yeah. two weeks ago. We're gonna we're gonna hear about it in just a second. So without further ado, here oh, is... and this is
0: the uh, part of the Fox series. Fox. Yeah, Fox, Fox series. Fox. Fox. Fuck. Fox. Fuck. Fox. Fox. The Friends of Kathleen Kathleen Falsani.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, His book is called uh, Addiction Nation, What the Opioid Crisis Reveals About Us. So uh, check out his book. Buy his book. Without further ado, here's our chat
0: with good old TJ. It's not. God damn it, Michael. It's not TJ. (laughs) TJ. And there's some pretty hefty uh, sound problems at the beginning of this.
1: They're going to find out. Here we go. Let's go. Timothy King, are you there? Oh no, T- Timothy,
0: is he there? Are you here?
1: Oh, connection was lost. <laughs> God damn it! Yes.
0: Unbelievable. So yeah. So great. go ahead and hit record on your <laughs> end <laughs> no, too. Uh,
1: yeah. So yeah, we said let's pause, and then I hit record, and then I started talking. You're like, are you there? And then it just net
2: <laughs> our our Wi-Fi
1: disconnected. So uh, Timothy King, are you there? <laughs> Dude, oh, just... I am here, I am back Okay, do uh, <laughs> you go by Tim, Timothy, Timmy, TJ, TK why, why, Wait, why TJ? I don't know, I feel like yes. everyone with the name Timothy has a middle name that starts with a J <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's gone again! <laughs> God damn it Alright, I'm going to connect with my hotspot <laughs> Alright, so... <laughs> Third times a charm. God, fuck, it. Um, into
0: the dirt, man. Jeez, <laughs>
1: we're leaving all this in. Um, by the way, it's got it's got to stay in. Um, so uh, yeah, we're on my 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 iPhone hotspot. So <laughs> we'll see how. This if goes this out. goes out,
0: we'll just talk to you next time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um we'll just so, we we'll do an all news. Technology. We'll do an all news feed segment. Yes.
1: <laughs> um, so do you go by uh, Tim, Timothy, TJ? Not TJ. TK God, what do you go by? Oh no! Are you, this is this can't be real. Is this real life? Are you serious? Yes, Went out again. Um, oh wait, there you are. Uh, we lost you for a no, wait, second.
3: I, I think I got you back. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: What do you? What do you go by? Something what? about
3: my name, I think.
1: Oh my gosh. Uh,
3: most people call me Tim. I I write Timothy for anything that's going out on the internet.
1: Okay. Do you have a middle name that starts with the letter J? <laughs> oh. you, what no, did you say?
3: I now have two that starts with the letter M.
0: Oh. So it's a middle uh,
3: – Yeah, Michael. I just got married. Can we move on,
1: Michael, weeks before weeks. we
0: lose him completely? <laughs> Jesus. Who gives a shit what his middle name is, <laughs> Everyone Michael? Everyone cares. Everyone cares. God. <laughs> Everyone cares.
2: <laughs> All
1: right. Uh Let's let's see where this goes. What are we doing? What do I do? With my okay,
0: hands? so uh, Tim <laughs> Timothy uh, Jimothy. We're gonna call you Jimothy just because. Uh, what? Uh, who? Who is Tim King? Tell us. Tell us your story for our for our listeners.
3: I the the short version is grew up evangelical home. I think a lot of your listeners, you guys, yeah. understand everything that goes with that. Um, and also was homeschooled for a few years. And that happened, my parents had sent me in for a little while to a private Baptist school that I can proudly say I was technically never kicked out of. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was asked to pray whether or not God still wanted me to go there. Oh, God. And, uh, <laughs>
0: So in other words, they were trying to get you to leave so voluntarily. The- yeah, that's that's lovely.
1: Yeah. What did God say? What did he say whenever you asked him that?
3: <clears throat> she said no. Get out. <laughs> that is what she said. Oh, man. Um, but it, was, it started in Bible class. Um, the teacher was teaching that God is literally male. Um, and so I was 15, and I raised my hands, and I – asked what I thought was the only logical follow-up question, and that is, does God have testicles?
0: Yes, And yes, yes. Oh, my that's God, so that's good. great.
3: So, uh, Mr. Lester, that was that was really his name, oh, wow. uh, decided that was incredibly inappropriate, lectured me for a little while, and I said, well, fine, when we get up to heaven, though, you've got to lift up God's cloak and check.
2: <laughs> and that's when
3: I got sent... To the principal's office, who uh, who was actually kind of upset with me because I had recently faked a conversion experience during chapel in order to get out <laughs> early.
0: Okay, this is amazing. That's Best great. opening five minutes it ever. It really is. <laughs> oh.
3: And and so that was that was when the line came. We're not asking you to leave, but we would like you to pray about whether or not God still wants you here. (laughs) But I was lucky because my my parents were kind of upset with me because they're like, you know, why why can't you just get along? Why can't you, you know, make this work? And then they met this Bible teacher for, like, a parent-teacher conference and came back right afterwards, and they're like, you're out of that school. He's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) So while I had some of, like, the worst of that evangelical subculture, I also had parents who... Didn't buy it all the way like that was kind of their like the culture they were in and that's what they thought being a good parent was But they also looked at some of the extremes and they're like, oh no, 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 we don't want that for you
1: That's good Um, one thing we did skip over uh, And this is a great story, but uh, what what are you drinking right now?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, i'm actually drinking a beer called miles and miles it's a uh, brewery down the road from me here in New Hampshire, Henneker Brewing Company. And it's a Session IPA. Ooh. So good for the start of summer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nice. What, and, are uh, we, what are we doing are We're having here? Kentucky. Actually named after uh, Alan Shepard.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. We're having a Kentucky Owl uh, rye whiskey. And it is, I mean, <laughs> it's prohibitively expensive. Is it?
3: Is it up to the hype?
0: It's, man... <laughs> I mean as far as ryes go it's pretty damn hard to beat. I yeah, I it's found the best rye, I think. It's the only time I've I found it one time in a store and I was like, "Well, we got to get that." So cuz the time to get it's when you find it <clears throat> and it is uh it's 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 pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah man.
3: <laughs> it, yeah. So I am not drinking it tonight, but tomorrow I will be sampling a bottle of the 20-year-old family reserve
0: Pappi. Oh Cooper. my god. Well, uh, yeah. I <laughs> well, you, 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 you just are, beat us. So. Checkmate.
3: <laughs> and it well, and you know, to answer your previous question, like who I am, I think the high school story does it pretty well. But also, this is part of my. I just got married a couple weeks ago, and this bottle of whiskey is a part of my engagement story. Oh. Uh, yeah. So, in the you know dating my now wife Hannah. And she was like, I hate rings. You're not getting me a ring. Like, and you better not ask my dad permission. Cause that will just shut this down right now.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, <clears throat> which was okay. So we talked about like, all right, we want to get each other a mutual engagement gift. So we both were going to get each other a gift and we set a date and we didn't talk about it and we both went on our own separate ways and she comes up we're she's living in DC at the time, comes up to my family farm and we're together and have this great day. And she, we're walking through the woods and she pulls out a bottle of old Rip Van Winkle, 10 year old bourbon. It's like, Hey, I want to marry you. And I was like, <laughs> yes, yes.
0: Yes. The time to marry that person is then
3: right then. <laughs> um, but what she didn't know is that, And this has to go all the back all the way back to our second date. So we went on our first date and she was not impressed and not interested. (laughs) (laughs) And so I send like I I asked her out on a second date and and invited her over. I was gonna cook some dinner with some friends. And she I didn't find out until months later, but she had been planning on canceling on me until I texted her a few days beforehand that one of my friends was bringing a bottle of this old Rip Van Winkle 10 year old bourbon. And so she just looks at the text and she's like, oh shit, I am gonna have to show up just so I can try this bourbon. That's awesome. So I, I, I kept telling this story about like how we dated and it turns out, like I share this story once, I was actually out at the Center for Action and Contemplation at one of their events Ooh, and I'm telling run. this story. Yeah, I was telling this story, and this woman hears it, and she goes, "No way! My friend runs that distillery. He runs Buffalo Trace that Holy makes it. crap! I got to tell him this story. He'll love it." So when our engagement comes around, I reach out and I'm just like, "Is there any way that I can get on a, like a special list to buy a bottle of like the, you know, the older Pappy Van yeah, Winkle?" Right. And I get the message back. No, he's not allowed to put you on a list. But he loves your story so much, he would like to gift you a bottle of the twenty-year oh special. God, family
1: why
0: can nothing like that ever happen to me? <laughs> ever? That's awesome. That's amazing.
3: And so I checked later, and it was like if I would try to buy it online, it was would have been more expensive than most people's engagement rings.
0: Right? Yeah. It was like wow. a
3: three thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah like, it's
0: pretty insane. Yeah. Jesus.
3: Yeah. Man. So we're we're having a glass tomorrow. We're closing on a house. So oh we'll, my god! We'll you're gonna,
0: you're going to have to let us know. Housing. Let us know how that is. So,
1: <laughs> do you have a favorite uh, uh, bourbon or whiskey?
0: Is this the lightning round? Are we no. done already? It,
1: it, it, we're, we're talking about we're talking about it now. So, do you have a favorite before the the kind you're going to try tomorrow? What's your favorite going into it?
3: Um. So, it, it, kind of different standards. If it's a nicer. Like whiskey, um, I love whistle pig. It's a Vermont made. Yep. But if it is like a day to day, like I go Jim Beam. Ooh. I really like a glass of Jim Beam is just great. And my family makes maple syrup, so we've got a uh, like a little maple barn, and so every year we just you know boil down a whole bunch of maple syrup, have people over, and we always have a one point seven five like liter bottle nice. of Jim Beam. <laughs> And anyone who comes, we fill the bottom of your mug with Jim Beam, and then you just take hot maple sap right off the boiler. Oh, oh
1: dude. Geez. I bet that's great. Yeah.
3: That
0: uh, yeah, that sounds pretty damn good. So we'll be, we'll be looking for the invite in the mail. I, I mean, I just, <laughs> you know.
3: All right. So understand why I wrote a book about addiction. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. So let's talk about that book, about addiction. Um so you know you've told us a little bit about your story um but obviously this this book for you uh comes from a very personal space. So can you talk about that a little bit about that part of your story and and what what led you to writing this book uh by the way the book is called Addiction Nation uh and it's about the opioid crisis. So go ahead and uh if you could just sort of talk about where this where all this came from.
3: Yeah. It was about 10 years ago now. Um, I ended up in the hospital, and it, it was, ended up being like, I had my, like minor pancreatitis, and they weren't sure, I was 25, they weren't sure why I had pancreatitis, so they started doing these series of tests. One of the tests they did um, actually made things worse. So overnight I went from a, being a pretty healthy, active 25-year-old to being in the ICU, um, doctors gave me a 50, 50 chance, whether I would live or die. My yes. parents came in, my families came in, family came in and they're by my bedside. They're saying their goodbyes. Um, wow. I'm about a five, 10, 175 pounds. I dropped down to under 130 pounds. That's per cool because I couldn't eat anything. I couldn't even like hold ice in my mouth. Um, they hooked me up to like a semi-permanent IV line called a pick line. That's how I got all my nutrition. And this entire time, um, I went from being on some morphine to being on Dilaudid. And on top of the Dilaudid, started getting fentanyl. And so weeks in the hospital turned into months in the hospital. And there's all of these different complications, all of these things that at any moment I could have lost my life. Um, and then I go home and, you know, didn't realize that I was facing a whole new complication. Right. And that was opioid addiction. Yeah. And that year. So that was almost 10 years ago, about 14,000 people in America died from prescription opioid overdoses. Um, 2018, you had over 70,000 people in the country die from all drug overdoses. That's more people than died that, – that more people died from drug overdoses last year than in the Vietnam and Korean wars combined. Jeez. Wow.
0: Well, it's just – yeah, man, that's insane.
3: And it, it was something that um, I didn't talk about for years because I didn't know how to talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. And the the images I had in my head, even though I think I had like, if you had asked me, I would never have said like, oh, people who get addicted are bad, right? But I, I still functioned that way, mm-hmm. right? And that meant I didn't wanna talk about this experience. But I was lucky because I'm a few months into being out of the hospital um, I'm taking more and more pain pills. Um, I had started off with one patch of fentanyl. Now I have two patches on and I didn't realize that what had previously been this very necessary medicine to deal with the pain I was in, because yeah. at the level, when your body's in that much pain, it can be deadly, right? Like it can start yeah. to down other organs. Um,
1: my I, I I should mention my dad has pancreatitis, so this is all like I, it's serious. That shit is serious. Yeah, yeah. And, and the the the, necess- the the need for pain medicine is is real because you are doubled over in pain.
3: Yeah, it it is intense pain, and that's where you know one point I make in the book is you know you have these like these substances like fentanyl, and it's it's a good moment to reflect on what we actually mean when we say something's good or bad or you know right um righteous or evil right that it's not a thing in and of itself that makes it good or bad it's our relationship to that thing right, because yeah. at a level fentanyl was a lifesaver for me yeah um uh, but a few too many grains can kill you right yeah and the you know one of the bad th- trends that i see right now is people are demonizing opioids themselves right as if the opioids carry inside them some sort of specific moral weight <laughs> when actually we need to be thinking about our relationship to them um, mm. because they are important for chronic pain patients.
2: Yeah.
3: Right? Like there are people who are helped by them, and we've ignored some of these broader factors that can contribute to addiction. And I think it's part of like our scapegoating of just being like, Oh, well, let's just not prescribe it anymore or cut down on that or blame doctors or, and I've got no love for big pharma. I have a lot in there. Like I have a whole chapter about right. how like big pharma defines sin in our age. But at the same time, if we don't think of this in these broader terms of what contributes to addiction and we just demonize a substance, then we're missing most of what's going on.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, you mentioned in the book that, like, you make it really clear that the opioid crisis isn't necessarily about drugs at all, but it's a complete societal and cultural failure. Um, like, can you can you talk about that a little bit? You you have a, you talk about uh, Jimmy Carter when he was president, um, and he had a quote where he was talking about, essentially, how we had a, how did he put it, uh, a lack of cultural will essentially um was a was a huge problem he saw coming in america and he used the phrase endless growth without consequence um so can you can you talk about that idea that like that this crisis isn't necessarily about drugs at all but about a failure of in our social structure and our cultural structure
3: yeah so if you look back you know the opioid crisis has come on the scene um and become come into like our public knowledge in the past few years but really every year since 1979 um or every 7 years since 1979 drug overdoses have doubled in america and that was the year that jimmy carter gave that speech yeah and <clears throat> so the opioid crisis is the most recent representation right. of what we're seeing but it isn't just about opioids. And the, one of the things that you hear a lot as you start to dig into um, the advocacy community around these issues is uh, people don't have drug problems, they have drug solutions. Hmm. And drug solutions means anytime someone is using a substance, it is, even if it's temporarily, or even if it's poorly, it is solving some kind of problem in their life. And so if you look at the past 40 years and you can look at this from a conservative perspective, you can look at this from a liberal perspective, like all your sociologists are saying we are more disconnected than ever before. We aren't grounded in our communities. We aren't grounded in our institutions. We don't have the kind of trust and empathy that we used to have. And, that's where these substances provide a mimicry of some sort of solution to that and with opioids in particular um so one of the reasons why they're so powerful isn't that they are so foreign to our bodies but because of how closely they mimic our naturally incurring endorphins and even the word endorphin is the combination between the two words endogenous and morphine so endogenous occurring within and morphine so this is when the, the researcher who found endorphins looked at it and was like whoa this is basically the body's own morphine and so endorphins are the chemicals that bond us to each other right they're bond parents to children lovers to each other and like opioids mimic that feeling so for me part of why i moved from you know what you would call like a physical dependency where it's just the physical symptoms to a full-blown addiction where it's all of these other things wrapped in is that I had this huge feeling that I wasn't safe in the hospital you know what when you have a a drip where you can press a button every 15 minutes and get more dilated, it eases your physical pain but it also for me provided almost a false sense of security Hmm. and when I went home Even though I was growing increasingly isolated from other people, I felt this kind of false sense of connection with the world because I was taking a substance that essentially mimicked my body's own endorphins. And when you look at the disconnectedness of our culture today, you look at the ways that people are having lots of interactions with others, but they're often not empathetic. They're not compassionate. Um, It's these you know, kind of cold and dispassionate connections online or through social media, it's little wonder that kind of the drug of choice is, are these opioids because they provide that sense of connection hmm. that people are looking for. Shit.
0: Man. <laughs> <laughs> I, man. I, let me, I, you know, I, I think what I found most interesting is about your story. And we can talk about the mis- you know common misconceptions was that everybody has those. They have those common misconceptions about what addiction is and particularly with opioids or whatever. But like you went to the hospital, it wasn't like you went in planning to get addicted to opio uh, to, to op I can't say the word, opioids. It, it just kind of happened. And so like for most people, it's like, oh, they're addicted to opioids. So they make these assumptions that, well, they're just, they're a drug addict, they're this, they're whatever, can you talk about the misconceptions about addiction and why, like, I mean, like you said, you, like I said, you didn't go in there thinking, Oh, I'm going to get addicted to this. And I think even said in the book is you didn't even know you were addicted until the doctor's like, yeah, you're addicted to opioids.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, the first big misconception there that, you know, I already mentioned is that I just had in my head that my doctor was getting ready to condemn me morally. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. And, and I was ready to fight because three previous times while I was in the hospital, I had doctors tell me that they thought I was faking my pain Shit. and each time they missed a complication. And so like I almost ended up dying a couple of times because these doctors just came in and they're like, look, kid, we think you're fine. And we think you're just looking for more pain medicine. We're going to try to discharge you. And then something would go terribly wrong and i you know be like thanks guys and now i'm ready to fight my doctor right and i'm ready to yeah. if he had come at me with shame and blame and had focused on you know addiction if, if he had kind of treated this as fundamentally a moral issue all he would have met was my defenses right and my need to prove that i'm in pain and that's the second big misconception is like mine my addiction started in the hospital but the more that I've talked to other people and their stories of addiction, yeah, I had a doctor's note. But everybody's addiction starts in pain,
2: mm-hmm. yes. right? Yep. Yeah.
3: And some people are diagnosed by a doctor, and other people haven't even had enough medical care to get that diagnosis, or it has been um, something that they haven't felt like they can talk about. It. It's been some sort of mental illness, or it was trauma in their childhood nobody starts an addiction because they're just pursuing some sort of pleasure right like that's one big misconception okay. addiction is doesn't start in the pursuit of some sort of physical pleasure it starts because you're pursuing some sort of moral good like connection hmm. like the ease of pain like the desire for transcendence addiction mimics faith a lot more than it does have anything to do with something like gluttony Right? It is the pursuit of something higher that goes wrong. And when you meet people who, yeah, their addiction started on the street, I still think that our stories are basically the same. And I just happen to have a different a different coding on mine.
0: Yeah, you mentioned in the book about how essentially we're all addicted to something. You know, and I think you know, some people are lucky enough that their addiction is like shopping. You know, and instead of like heroin, you know what I'm saying. But like, an addiction's an addiction, and addiction is like you mentioned. It's 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 the symptom of 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 a greater problem. It's it's it's, I guess you could say, almost masking misery, um, in some fashion. So, you know, the it's almost like not a question of whether we'll be addicted. It's <laughs> what will we be addicted to?
3: Yeah, and. That's where one of the things that I I think I got wrong was I thought of addiction as like a group you're in or a group you're out of, yeah, as opposed to that spectrum, yep, right. And part of why I'm so grateful is when my doctor talked to me, um, it was early detection, right. And like with a lot of different medical issues, if you detect it early, it's much easier to treat because um, one author that I I cite, and I always don't even know how to say her last name, Maya Slavovitz.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right.
3: (laughs) Nailed it. Totally nailed it. Thanks. Got it. Um, So she dove into addiction studies, and one of her primary analogies was that she thinks we should think of this as more like a learning disorder. Um, where you can have a spectrum of severity. And, you know, you don't want to blame someone for having a learning disorder. But at the same time, there are things that you can begin to practice new habits that you can um, develop that help you uh, cope with that learning disorder. And when you start to think of it on a spectrum, and not an in or an out, that's where it is important to be able to, and I'll be really honest, like, so opioid addiction was, you know, the thing I clearly struggled with. But then I just started asking questions about my alcohol consumption, right? Because it's not anything that has ever been hugely problematic in my life. I haven't had these big issues as a result of it. But I've also like started to read the literature and realize that there are like a category of folks who you can go from your 20s into your 30s, and just start drinking a couple more drinks on average yep. per week between your 20s and your 40s and then suddenly by the time you're in your 50s or your 60s you do have huge health problems. Yep. Or maybe it's all under control and then one day you um like you lose your job. You lose a loved one. A marriage ends, a relationship ends and suddenly you're spiraling out of control because that has been your primary coping mechanism for certain things in your life for a while you kept it in, you know, in control, but then things spiraled down. And that's where I started asking like, okay, I don't need to freak out. Right. I don't need to label myself. I don't need to berate myself, but I can start being consciously aware of what role does alcohol play in my life? Just like I needed to start being more consciously aware about the, like the theological hangups I had of just being like, oh yeah, turns out, substitutionary atonement still fucks me up sometimes because i can't idea of like god desires violence god needs violence and that's something that i need to get over because it's not just an idea that i that like i no longer hold that got deep down inside me it was habituated in a way that i still act in that way even though i no longer hold that belief
0: well that's a that's a good I I wanted to talk about that. So this is a good time to segue to that is what, what is the church's talk about the church's culpability in this country's addiction crisis. And, and, And then on the flip side of that, we can do a more positive discussion of what can faith communities do to truly help the addicted. So start with like, what, what is the church's culpability in this and then how can they change?
3: Yeah, I would start with, um, The ideas of perfection that we have in the church, right? And one of the passages that messed me up for a long time was, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. And that was something that I remember, you know, being, you know, an 11-year-old boy and having gone to some retreat or camp and there is an altar call and I promised to never have a lustful thought again. Oh God! Because I was, yep. <laughs> I was, you know, I was gonna give up masturbation for life yep. at 11 years old.
0: <laughs> and then you went home and jerked off into every sock you owned. I get it. <laughs> Been there, it everywhere. Yep.
3: My poor mother. Yeah. <laughs> I... Have to yep. do that Yeah, I'm still more and more impressed with her Christian faith of having to deal with a teenage boy.
0: What's up with these crunchy socks you have, Timothy?
3: (laughs) And what's worse is she knew. Yeah, I
0: I know. Matt and I were just talking about that. Like, last week, we were like, God, they knew. Like, they knew. They had to know. Like, we weren't as sneaky as we thought. They had to know.
3: No. (laughs) And she's like, and I think she was also disappointed of like tim why is the sears catalog disappearing <laughs> like really <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's at least
0: a couple pairs there that weren't high-waisted what's they could get this? you there,
2: <laughs> Ireland? What
1: yeah, there you Ireland? Go.
0: what's up with the discoloration on the br- Brazier pages oh um, man boy this took a turn but yeah you know i get it you're you're yeah. talking to three guys did you here. see what you see what happens when you mention masturbation on this I podcast mean, yeah it was <laughs> <His> author <laughs> else
3: yeah i'm gonna have to now like get an edited version from you guys so that my mom <laughs> <laughs> can see.
1: Uh, sorry Tim. you're gonna want
0: no, to sh- sh- edit a good three-fourths <laughs> of it
3: <laughs> um but you know these ideas of perfection right that we can somehow attain uh this level in which we have no sin, right? Yep. And and that <clears throat> that was so hard because for me, I just kind of would look at it and be like, all right, I did it wrong. So now I need to throw this out and I will start again at the next youth retreat. Right? I will start again <laughs> at summer camp. Next year um, will
2: be but great.
1: I,
3: I can't yeah. And and one of the things that you realize with with addiction, right, is, and the AA kind of saying is progress, not perfection. Yeah. And even when you dig into that Bible verse, um, I look at, uh, he was actually my professor in undergrad, Scott McKnight, great biblical scholar. Oh, yeah. I know. Okay. Like, yeah. And when he looks at the original language, he's like, our idea of perfection didn't exist. This yeah. idea was about wholeness. And then you look at the previous passages and it's like, as your heavenly father is perfect. So it's referring back to a previous passage and that passage is talking about loving your enemies. Yep. And so this idea of like getting everything completely right. The first time is incredibly harmful. And this is where we know that like, if there is a God worth worth following and worth being interested in, it's a God that can handle our imperfections and when we see that as a constant steps to know we can become more whole we can become more of who we fully are and to know that that's not going to happen overnight is so important from a spiritual perspective but then it's also important from a recovery perspective because relapse is the norm and relapse is not failure Relapse is a part of recovery. That's just what you do. And you know, some people it happens more from more than others. But when we hold this standard that like, you know, you send someone to a rehab clinic or something, or they go to A and like and if you tell them that the first time they screw up, they have to start all over, that's a lot more damaging than if you just say, Yep, that's that's part of the journey. Yeah. And let's let's you know mitigate the results let's try to have less harm let's try to have um more of your goals realized that's when people can start getting better and i think the church's insistence on some sort of perfection has been harmful and that's also where it's like a bad understanding right of conversion is also harmful because even though we have lots of different examples within Christian history and within um, scripture of different ways that people change their lives, right? You do have the Saul to Paul moment where it is a complete 180 change in difference. Right. But you also have this disciples kind of stumbling along for years, fucking up all the time, yep. stumble along. And that's, that's a lot more like me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure take a few steps forward and five steps back, and I'm hoping that the next phase of my life will be a few more in the right direction. And when we have this idea that there is a universal problem, whether it's sin or addiction, and there is some sort of one-size-fits-all solution that all you gotta do is you know, raise your hand and have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, or you just need to show up at a meeting, and that is gonna fix everything, that's once again problematic because it's not understanding the variety of different ways that we all change, and that we all grow. And so AA is incredibly important for some people, and that's good. And then it turns out that if a court mandates that you go to AA, it will probably do more harm than good. Hmm. Um, and there are some people who are really going to benefit from um, medically assisted treatments, so things like buprenorphine. Um, and you know, they're criticized. It's like, oh, you're taking buprenorphine and that's like a kind of medicine that it simultaneously slightly mimics an opioid, but also can block other opioids. So it's a really powerful medicine. It decreases overdoses in pretty much every study that it's ever been used in. That's great. And like some people it's like, but that's a crutch. That's the oftentimes right. help back on it. And I'm like, yeah. And if you broke your foot you want a fucking crutch, yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah, I agree.
3: Terrible. Yeah, like, it is a ankle. Yeah. And, and that's where some people like medically assisted treat, like I didn't have medically assisted treatment. Um, but some people that's really important. Others, it's going to be things like cognitive behavioral therapy where they start to realize the cognitive distortions that they're engaging in and it's, they're learning new tools or some people. And one thing that's really exciting to see is some people are doing takeoffs of AA Where you realize that like, um, Bill Wilson, who founded AA, you know, he was a kind of successful white guy who had his life destroyed for a while by alcohol and he needed to learn the important lesson of feeling powerless and Mm -hmm. out of that growing. And other people have, you know, developed an addiction because of severe trauma in which they've never been in control of their life. Yeah. And for them, the first lesson they might need to hear is not, I am powerless, but I have agency, I have worth, Hmm. I can change my situation, I can change my life. And that's why I think we need to allow for these diversity of experiences and to make sure that our, like I still believe spirituality is important and it's a huge thing for a lot of people in recovery, but if we idealize one idea of recovery that looks one specific way, then we're going to block people from different medical advances and scientific advances and different kinds of counseling that will really matter.
0: Okay. So let's, let's talk about like, um, I I think we have a lot of listeners and by a lot of listeners, at least two of the three of us sitting on this table, uh, (laughs) that have friends, family members that are in the midst of these kinds of addictions. Um, personally speaking, you know, I, I've in all honesty, I'm not going to sit here and bullshit you and tell you I've been really good at any of this, but I've been really bad at the compassion side of this. Um, Matt and I have a family member who is addicted to opioids, denies it, denies it, denies it, uh, has basically burned every family bridge that this that they can um, in the process. And. Like, I'm not asking you for personal advice, like, what should I do? But it, it just for other people that are in these situations, too, like, what what's the answer? Because, frankly, like, I mean, this person has said just horrible, horrible things about us, about... I mean, my grandfather was dying, and she basically told us... The night before he died that he was uh, that we he was very upset with us. We broke his heart. We broke his heart and super disappointed us. It was like the last thing that she said to us before he died. You know, it's that kind of crap. That's like, I don't want to be around her, you know, Mm -hmm. but I also under like I I really struggle with the, the 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 wrestling between showing compassion and the need and desire to cut a loved one out of our lives. Like, is there, what's the balance there? Is there? An, is there ever an appropriate time? I mean, you're somebody that came out of this, that was lucky enough to survive this kind of an addiction. Like, is there ever a time to cut people off or are we always supposed to just err on the side of compassion?
3: And I'm, and just, first of all, I'm sorry for you guys. That's really hard. um, Because there's, I mean, in my own family, there's people with ongoing addiction issues and it's not, it's not easy. Um, and that's, this is, you know, I I don't want to just feel like I'm jumping into some sort of pat answer because it's, it's just, it's tough. Right. And nothing I can say about compassion is just going to make, make that easy. Right. Um, and I will say that, Cutting someone off can like there, I think there are times and that's where you need to decide not the boundaries that are somehow good for them, right? Like pushing someone away, cutting them off isn't good for them unless it's something that you need in order to maintain your compassion and love for them. Yeah. Right. So you do need boundaries, so that you can continue to love that person, and that's why you got to set boundaries. Okay. That's why you got to, got to, you know, kind of draw these lines. But it is like one of the guys that I got a chance to interview and read a lot of his work, uh, Bill Miller, uh, William Miller. He's a great addiction specialist, and he did a like an in depth look at every study. So you know, we all saw interventions on TV at some point. Um, and kind of that tough love thing. And it turns out that there has not ever been evidence and there is not evidence that confrontational therapies are effective. (laughs) In fact, they often make things worse. And so one of the studies that really jumped out at me because I started reading it and I just did not expect the ending was, um, mothers against drunk driving had this, uh, test program that they did. And it was to have people who had had their lives affected by others driving drunk, tell their story to recent offenders. So if you went to court for drunk driving, um, you would be sent into the control group or the treatment group. So you would either get this lecture or you wouldn't. And um, I assumed like storytelling is powerful, right? To let someone understand the consequences of their actions, Um, that's really important. So they studied this thousands of people and looked at the numbers and for people who was a first time offense, they found no difference in whether or not that person would reoffend for people who had already offended. So it was more than like their first time. They were actually more likely to reoffend than if they didn't go to that lecture. (laughs) And it was because they so internalized the idea that they sat down and they heard this story and they're like, I'm a terrible person. And the only way I know how to cope with how terrible I am is to go drink. Hmm. And there's this downward spiral that when we focus so much, like, I'm not saying that, you know, it's these are things to excuse, but I do think that we can practice something. Um, one philosopher, I quote in my book, she talks about, um, how we can talk about responsibility without blame. Right. And focus on talking about like, how do you, how do you act in a responsible manner without blaming the person and having that shame spiral where they start to believe that they are a bad person. And one of the weird moments with my doctor, so he's a pancreatic specialist, right? And He sits me down in his office and he's having this conversation with me. And, you know, he started off and he told me, You need to know you didn't do anything wrong. So he checked that box. I'm like, Tim, this is not a fundamentally a moral issue. He told me he believed I was in pain. So he checked that box, like affirmed the fact that I wasn't just like seeking drugs for fun, that this was something that was had a meaning in my life that was important to me, that I felt was self-preservation. And then he he, like I just remember being shocked about it, but how helpful it was for me. He goes, so Tim, what does a full life look like for you? And we started talking about my friends, my family, my job, my life goals. And I didn't really, like he, instead of focusing on trying to change a specific behavior of mine, he focused on drawing out what I wanted to accomplish. So it wasn't the outside imposition of abstinence, but the internal cultivation of a dream of life after opioids. Hmm. And there's this program in Seattle called the LEAP program, and they took a lot of folks who were kind of your um, hardcore addicts, right? Like who are downtown, um, they've been there for years, multiple criminal offenses, they've been brought in all the time, been using for a long time. And they decided instead of requiring abstinence from the person in order to get any kind of help, that they would just start with a counseling session on what do you want to do? Hmm. And a lot of people, it was when they got a home and they realized they wanted to keep it. Hmm. Um, Or it was when they went into school and they realized that they were smart. Or it was when they got a job and they realized they were good at something, that it gave them the motivation to give up their addictive behavior because an addiction is ultimately not so much about saying no, but saying yes to something greater than your addiction.
1: Yeah. It's something you can control. And when you feel like you can't control anything,
3: absolutely. And one of the things that I got excited about in writing this book, you know, it's a lot to like put it out there that you struggled with an addiction and To do that, it's like, well, am I actually gonna help anyone? right? Is anything that I can say? I also don't have like the most dramatic story. Like mine was relatively benign. And then I read this one great study and it was these two researchers, Leek and King, and they went to three different alcohol recovery centers and they studied all of the patients there And then went, at the end of their time, went to the staff and the counselors and said, we've got a list of the people we believe are most likely to recover. So they leave for a year, come back and check in on their predictions. And sure enough, they were spot on. Everyone on their list was more likely to get sober and stay sober. And if they had a relapse, it was shorter and less severe. So it's like, what did these guys figure out? about these folks in treatment that allowed them to so accurately predict who would get better and who wouldn't. And it turns out it was nothing. They had actually randomly assigned everybody to that list. The only thing that had changed at all was the expectations of the staff and the counselors. Hmm. And that's where I think as a society, when we are able to make that shift where we don't see addiction as some sort of fatal flaw or some sort of death sentence, but we see people who are striving at some sort of good that they aren't quite able to achieve, or that they're trying to cope for something in their life that they're not quite sure how they can deal with otherwise. But we see the fact that everyone can recover, everyone can get better that it's not just the views of, you know, staff and the counselors at these centers that matters. It's, it's all of our views.
0: Is is it a misconception about addiction that until somebody wants to change, they, they won't. I mean, is there, I mean, when you, when you were in the midst of your addiction, did you, do you feel like you beat it? one of the reasons you beat it was because you got to the end of yourself and just wanted it, or was it because of the doctor stepping in and encouraging you? I mean, cause I think it's, it's my guess is we've got listeners that are just saying, Oh, it's easy to say that when you're not like being hurt by the person constantly. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's easy to talk about being encouraging and all that. And I believe that that works. But like, you know, I think back to this family member and it's like, she, she won't admit that she even has the problem. Mm -hmm. So like that to me becomes very difficult to go. Then what's the, (laughs) is there a solution if she doesn't realize there's a problem or maybe, or she won't admit that there's a problem.
3: Yeah. And that is where, um, you know, one of the dangers is to believe that you can save someone on your own. Right. Right. Like, it does, it takes a lot of people. And for me, it was not the person who I was closest to that was ultimately the compassionate and empathetic experience that I needed. Mm-hmm. And so um, I would say that the myth is the idea that you need to hit rock bottom, Right. right? You don't actually need your life to spiral out of control. You don't need for everything to go to shit. Like there are ways to start to change earlier than that if you're ready to accept it. Um, But at the same time, it is something that you always need to be a participant in your own recovery. And this is where one thing that I dive into is this idea of addiction as a disease. And um, you know, the disease disease model, we call it a model of addiction, right? So it's, because scientific models provide us frameworks and analogy and language for understanding complex phenomena, And there's a lot of things that the disease model has helped us understand, like how much addiction changes the brain, right? That when you are experiencing a severe addiction, um, the very parts of your brain that help you with long-term planning and decision-making are, are, are injured, right? They aren't right. functioning as well. And that's where medication can be really helpful. Um, So we understand how addiction functions as a disease, but there's at least some studies that suggest that if you believe your own addiction is a disease, um, you might be less likely to get better. Because some people who take that information um, use that as a way to say, this is outside of my control. And this is, again, where I think it's important to understand the diversity. For me, understanding addiction as a disease was really helpful because it allowed me to kind of breathe out and be like, oh, my doctor isn't just calling me like a little shit. Like he is he is telling me there's something that has medically changed with my brain that I'm not aware of and he can help. And so for me, that was really important and helpful in my recovery but for other people, if they if they see the idea of addiction as a disease as an excuse not to do something, then yeah, you have to be a willing participant in your own recovery. Um, and at the same time, this is where I think the theological categories actually help bridge some of the scientific um, some of the scientific difficulties. Because what we're talking about with overcoming addiction is that same thing we talk about with that connection of will and grace, right? That it is simultaneously with my doctor, he was the grace that I needed. And I had other family members, I had other friends who provided the grace that I could not have mustered on my own, right? It was not by my own strength or my intelligence or you know, willpower that I overcame, But at the same time, it couldn't have happened without my participation. Right. And when we understand that that is not a either or, but a both and and an interplay between two different dynamic forces that underlie our lives and the universe around, that's, I think, the place that we can best understand addiction and recovery. Mm.
0: That's good stuff. Mm. Uh, So one last, let's do one last thing here. I mean, with the number of listeners we have it's pretty safe to assume that somebody is struggling with addiction of some sort whether it's opioids or alcohol or something Crunchy socks. <laughs> i don't <you> know, <laughs> I, I have no response to that i got
3: to cut out a whole other section so my mom can listen. Yep, literally
0: speechless <laughs> um what what would be your message what would be your message to them, uh, anybody that's listening that's struggling with this with this stuff?
3: Um, one of the best practices that I have found <clears throat> is called compassionate curiosity. And that is like if you're hearing this and you're like kind of a question has raised in your mind at any point of like, am I addicted? let that go. Like if you practice mindfulness, if you practice meditation, if you practice centering prayer, take that thought and let it go. And just with compassion, ask yourself, um, what, what's going on in your life right now that might make you feel that Hmm. are there things that you feel out of control about? Are there things that you feel bad about? Are there things that you want to accomplish that you don't feel you're accomplishing because something's getting out of the way? And tell yourself, that's okay, that's a part of growing as a human. We all have things that get in the way. And then ask yourself if there's something that you're ready to do about that. Um, And if you aren't, just start to figure out what you want to do as a next step. It doesn't have to be bold. It doesn't have to be a 180. You don't have to stop doing anything tomorrow. You can just take a next step um, and continue to ask yourself that question compassionately. What's going on in my life and why is it happening and how can I keep being more of the person that I feel I truly am, that I feel I, I truly can be that I feel is is the image of God that is Christ in me. Hmm.
1: That's good advice for just anyone. Yeah. That's fantastic. (laughs) Just anyone. Um so this is this is uh what do we call this? The the Falk series? The uh friends of (laughs) Friends of Kathleen Falzani. Falk. Fox. (laughs) Uh, Fox. (laughs) Um so normally we would do like a lightning round, and I do want to do one lightning round question. We'll save it for the end. Um, I just have one question, and but uh, Matt has a, a list of things Kathleen. Wait, it's us. not that
0: big a list. We talked about the bourbon already. Okay, that you're a bourbon <laughs> aficionado. That's what she said. She also said you're a home brewer.
3: Um. Well, I, I think that might be a little overblown. I have. <laughs> I have. Damn brewed- it, Kathleen.
0: We <laughs> fake news. <And laughs> Sorry, the journalist uh, Kathleen <laughs> gave us bad information. Kathleen's fake news.
3: But the biggest thing that I I have done um, the past few seasons and will do again this year is so we've got a whole bunch of old apple trees on our farm up here, and you guys know the story of Johnny Appleseed. Yes. Yeah. How he wasn't he wasn't just bringing apples like as snacks. Um but the reason why he was planting apple seeds was so that people could have al- alcohol. Oh,
0: the hero. So, yeah. he he's buried in Fort Wayne, Indiana, as a matter of fact. So. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So
3: yeah, if you want a Macintosh apple that you can eat, you don't plant a seed from a Macintosh apple. You have to graft a branch from a Macintosh tree onto another apple tree. That's how you keep perpetuating the Macintosh apple. And so when he was planting apple seeds, most of the time the only thing those apples are good for was making cider, not eating. And so we have all these like 100-year-old apple trees around our farm that all these apples are good for is making cider. So, we do make some cider here at the farm. And uh we just press it and let the natural yeast ferment and let it sit in the carboys for a little while and it's it's a good drink. Huh, nice. You guys, when you come on over to the farm, I don't feel like that's stuff. over. I don't
0: feel like that's overblown at all. Actually, <laughs> yeah, that's kind <laughs> of awesome. Actually, <laughs> uh, so, speaking of farms, uh, she said you grew up. You actually grew up. You talk about this in the book a lot. You grew up on one of the oldest farms in New England.
3: Yeah. So, the uh, the farm, Joshua Martin, back in the uh, 1750s, he joined the Rogers Rangers. And uh, French and Indian War, you got a musket ball in the hip up by Lake Champlain, which now is the border between Vermont and Canada, was left for dead, um, but actually like crawled back to his regiment. The only reason why he caught up with them was there was a forest fire, so they had to stop. Anyways, he, he lived and got a 200-acre land grant from the King of England. <laughs> and uh, the farm has been in the family ever since. That's My brother's the hilarious. primary farmer, and uh I kind of think of it like i'm the uncle to a farm, so <laughs> i get to farm I get to uncle. hang out the and, old have farm fun, uncle. and uh but i'm not ultimately responsible for anything <laughs> so I get to like leave and go on vacation
0: i uh I grew up in a two story ranch. In Ellettsville, Indiana. It's not uh, not quite as glamorous. <laughs> it was built in 1976. It was built in, like, not
3: <laughs> God, it wasn't you have, like, all things. the coolest
0: shit, man. Like, old farm, you press your own apples for cider, you get free bottles of $3,000 bourbon, and I'm like, God damn. I hang I mean, out with these guys. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's been a good year. Yeah. but you know, I, and I'll have to check with my family, but... If you ever wanted to record an episode live from our maple barn, I think that would be a good night.
0: Oh, my God. That's awesome. (laughs) Come on out. How much (laughs) saving for plain? How much? (laughs) Patreon.com slash (laughs) Pastor's Podcast if you want to see that happen. (laughs) If you want to make this happen. Yeah.
3: And we, we do raise grass-fed beef here, so the, the steak will be delicious. Oh, oh, my God. And I am, shit. like,
0: obsessed with, like, real maple syrup. So yeah, that, I just I want to see that process. I want I to see that happen. I do, too.
1: I could bathe in it.
0: <laughs> Patreon.com slash Pastors Podcast if you want to see that happen. Yeah. Um, she said For you every all... 20 books bought. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. But Glorious pastor. <laughs> uh, she also said that you are a basically a largely self-taught stringed instrumentalist.
3: Yeah, play a little bit of guitar, mandolin, banjo. Um, I play the accordion as well, but that was just because I drank too much whiskey one night. Yeah. Someone dared you got to stuck
0: think. in a weird out loop. <laughs> <Yeah>. on YouTube.
3: <laughs> That's the worst thing about the Amazon app. The Amazon app had just come out. <laughs> And it's like two o'clock in the morning, and I was in DC and had some whiskey with friends. And God, I fucking somebody hate told me it was a really good idea if I learned how to play the accordion. I, just, I fucking so, hate
0: when I get drunk and learn the accordion. I if I had a nickel for like every time that's happened to me, I just okay. So you said you got you you bought something off Amazon in the middle of the night. She said you bought a pair of bagpipes and taught yourself to play. Is that true?
3: <laughs> I did buy the bagpipes. <laughs> Never learned how to play. Oh, oh damn
0: it! it like. I was really yeah. hoping you'd like Jordan crank something out for us.
3: But yeah, there were a couple times where I woke up in the morning and looked at my email and was like, Oh, <laughs> I did do that. <laughs>
2: that's
0: great. That's fantastic. That's all I've got from her. But she sent that stuff to me. Like when we, she mentioned you, she said you got to get him on the podcast. And so we started getting that set up and I was like, well, she sent me all the info. I was like, well, we've got a lightning round thing to, to do now. So that's good.
1: <laughs> all right. Here's my lightning round question. <clears throat> You have to clear your throat for it. Yes. Does God have testicles?
3: (laughs) I still haven't lifted up the cloak. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
1: (laughs) You're going to go with no?
3: Ovaries, if anything. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Love it.
1: Where can people find you online? Where can they buy the book? Give us all the information.
3: Um, yeah, well, my publisher told me I needed to go back on Twitter now that I uh have a book, so that is at TM King. Or uh you can find me on Facebook, Timothy McMahon King. Um the McMahon is the new middle name from the wedding, nice. which means actually son of a bear. Son <laughs> so of a bear. That my, is awesome. my name is now Son of a Bear King.
2: <laughs> nice <laughs>
3: Although we did because you know we didn't want to be too patriarchal, we did consider for a little while, you know, if I'm Tim King, that we should just be the queens. But.
0: <laughs> That's great. That's amazing. I oh, I, and by the way, people that are listening to this, the book is fantastic. Right. It is a, it is an eye opener for how how complex an issue it is. It's it, we just like I, we talked about in the interview you oversimplify everything when it comes to this. We, it's either good or it's bad, and and it's not. The book really kind of blows holes in that argument, uh, pretty significantly. It's 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 a really complex issue, which we hardly even got into how complex it is. Um, but I can't recommend it enough. It's really really good. Yeah.
1: All right. Thanks, Thank Tim. Timothy,
3: TJ. Son of a bear. See, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still like it was cutting out with the whole J thing. I just still don't quite get it. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. You're just going to cut that part.
0: I of just mom,
1: assumed too. that everyone with with the first name Timothy, their middle. Name starts with a J It's something I found it Turns Everybody out that's no, not no, it's, true it's,
3: it's actually was Timothy Michael the Oh kid. So yeah. yeah Oh and you know I, I remember one other thing I wanted to tell you I was listening a few episodes ago 100%. And you made a joke about Victor Wooten And you yeah. were like no one will get it And I was like started yelling out loud I get it <laughs>
0: We did have a few people that hit us <laughs> up Like oh yeah we totally got that
3: Yeah um. <laughs>
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, my Thank friend. you, guys. Yeah, man, this was great. We'll be up there get some maple syrup later.
3: <laughs> Come on over. Park <laughs> <right>. Farm.
1: <laughs> All right. Thanks.
3: Now that we've in
2: your city. You can tell us what you think The five stars get red
0: He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> We're like fifteen minutes from a three-week break. I know.
1: <laughs> Alright. Uh feedback.
0: <laughs> and the crowd went wild.
2: Yeah.
1: Well fuck it. I'm not coming back on this f- f- fucking podcast till we get more five-star reviews. <laughs> so uh, see Holland never uh,
0: it's all over all right who cares life is suffering Twitter. all right uh <laughs> nope didn't do Twitter either because we only didn't I just I, I just honest to god I just could not be fucking arsed to to take the time <laughs> to do it I started to look at it today and I was just like fuck it I just don't even care Nick Randall's care. pissed because we keep saying shit about him okay what did Nick Randall put who knows uh Hey Pastors Podcast, that mention really wasn't any better. Amend the record again. Amend it, you hashtag dictators.
3: You, sir, are an asshole.
0: <laughs> Alright, that was a
1: top top ten. So <laughs> uh Yeah,
2: I whatever. <laughs> Laurel. I am
0: so so out of fucks to give at this point. Alright, let's let's crash land this fucker. <laughs>
3: attention and we wrote them
0: all down i don't have very many i don't either actually <laughs> but i've got one that i really want to use hashtag does god have testicles hashtag hashtag lift up god's cloak and check hashtag jerked off into every sock you own <laughs> hashtag <coughs> a couple pairs that aren't high-waisted <laughs> The old Sears catalog. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was JCPenney for me. Yeah, either one. JCPenney was a little more racy. Kathy Ireland. They're the ones that had... <laughs> J- Penny had thigh highs in them, I think, or something, maybe. Um, <laughs> hashtag. I, am, I, w- I fucking wish <laughs> I had the imagination now that I had as a 15-year-old boy. Dude, the imagination. I could fuck anything, anywhere, like... Yeah. Boy. Uh, Hashtag farm uncle. Hashtag son of a bear. Um, Farm uncle. Hashtag never going to get over the saltiness.
1: Never going to give you up. Then
0: hashtag hashtag two rival groups. All right. I've got uh, hashtag. (laughs) Technically never kicked (laughs) out. Hashtag faked conversion. Hashtag still haven't (laughs) lifted up the cloak. Hashtag beard flat iron. Hashtag the floor of chilies. Hashtag the warts are clearing up nicely. And then my personal favorite hashtag free range titties. T I D D spelled with two D's.
2: It's spelled with two days.
0: Wow. Nope. Yeah. I forgot a three week break. Let's do three D's. No. I refuse. All
1: right. All right. I've got.
2: I've
1: got. Um... I don't know why that makes me laugh so hard. Though any
0: free range anything generally will make me laugh, but oh my <laughs> free range <God>. titties. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've got oh. the
1: emperor's testicles, um, the uh, coated in liquid, gravity ravaged balls. <laughs> <laughs> does done that already. I feel like we've
0: tried to make that happen before.
1: Uh, <laughs> does God have testicles? Um, son of a bear king, and uh, crunchy socks.
0: Yep, there it is, right there, crunchy socks. Yep, or, it's pretty great. Or free range. Right. I'm going to put be, free range cities down. you I got don't know what shot? about what about a beard flat iron. <laughs> I feel like people need to remember that Matt fucking owns one of those.
1: You know what we call that? Matt <laughs>
0: That's another good one. (laughs) We're not doing that. scaping. I think think matscaping is it. No, no, no. (laughs) We're not fucking doing matscaping because every time we do a mat one, it turns into this fucking thing. And every time I try to do Michael when he loses his fucking shit, no, I'm not fucking doing <laughs> right, like you're doing right now. Not doing that no, right fucking it, again. Oh, you,
1: I like how you're projecting
0: onto me what you're doing. <laughs> are you fucking serious? Remember when, <laughs> how, how many, many times you kind of are. How many
1: times? Is remember he remember earlier in the podcast when he said, "Does anything ever make you happy?" I <laughs> felt that was a projection too. <laughs> Wasn't going to say it till now. But <laughs> are we? <laughs> there's a lot of projection going on.
0: What what episode is this? So I can go. I don't home. know. One seventy two. Yeah. All right. We doing crunchy socks? Or crunchy socks. Okay. That's fine. I'm doing matscaping. <laughs> no, we're not fucking doing matscaping. No. <laughs> nope. I, I was crunchy do socks. Matscaping.
1: <laughs> okay. So.
0: People are going to fucking use that. Do you know how much shit he would lose if somebody did Michael? Why, Michael are, you blaming why, me? You do? why are you projecting? Dude, your, like, me? All the, Dude you do you literally lose your shit every time we try to do a Michael hashtag. No, we're not fucking doing I, that. Why
1: are you going after me? You know, that we I do. said
0: we'll do cr-
1: crunchy side. You know that I'm we did said. do
0: Michael's whale mouth, right? Like, like 150 episodes ago. And it never dies. And we haven't done a Michael one since then because you lose your shit every time we try to do one. I don't know what the I will go back and listen to every I fucking episode. I am not losing my shit you. right now. You are. No, you will lose you your, shit tried your shit if we try to do a Michael when you, you will are lose losing, your shit.
1: But you understand that right now, you're the one losing your
0: I, shit. Oh my god! Can we go home,
1: please? All right, Any more sent us <laughs> an edit of this song. It's called "Pulling Out." It's nine. It's and it's called. Oh, it's, it's an n- edit. Yeah, it's. Oh shit! It's nine o'clock, Michael. <laughs> Edition. It's the it's nine o'clock, Michael edition. So, all right. So if you listened to uh, blah, 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 blah. if you listen to this episode in its entirety, hit us up on social media with the hashtag hashtag. What are do we doing? Crunchy taco. Crunchy
0: no sock. Boy, socks. you don't want a crunchy taco. Man. <laughs> Boy, I, I'm all for I'm all for crunchy tacos,
1: but not in this not in this context. In this context. <laughs> all right, crunchy sock. Uh, we are on uh, Twitter at Pastors Podcast.
0: Uh whatever.
1: At MJ Basinger. Nope. Um we're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Pastards Podcast. Um on Instagram and Glorious Bastards. Check out our website and com or just jizzmuzzle.com. Support us on Patreon to join the Pastors Pub, get access to our spin-off podcasts, uh, buy us around and even help shape the content of this show. Patreon dot com slash Pastors Podcast. Um Yeah.
0: That's it. See you guys in three months. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see you guys in July, unless we don't. <laughs> <laughs> what? This is what he was doing earlier. What the fuck is this? What is that?
2: So,
1: uh... <laughs> Michael, what? 11, Thanks for all the fish. You don't remember this song? <laughs> oh. <laughs> what is that from? Why would I know that song? The Techers Guide to the Galaxy.
0: No, this this is the last episode ever. We're fucking done. I'm not doing this shit again in July.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Michael, turn, fucking turn it off. God damn it. <laughs> This is when he was playing it at like full volume at my table, and I was like, and then he got mad at me for playing like one clip. Oh
2: my
0: god. Boy, Michael, Michael's commitment to a terrible bit is something worthy of of praise. No matter how much we yell at him, he, just, he he will not let it die. He will ride that motherfucker yeah. into the sunset. Yeah. Jesus Christ, Michael. <laughs>
2: So long. Thanks for having me. <laughs>